Welcome to the Venture Sprout Podcast, where we feature spin-ups and new co's started by hospitals and health systems that are Vizient members. I'm your host, Crystal Mollis, Vice President of Digital, Virtual Experience, and Ventures at Vizient. This podcast is a component of our member-backed ventures offering that encompasses several events. Besides podcasts, we feature thought leadership webinars related to the market and landscape around new codes developed by hospitals and health systems. We feature matchmaking summits to connect you, our listeners, to these new codes. In this episode, we will feature DexCare, a distributed care and digital health platform developed by Providence Health. Chris Pagano, SG2 Senior Consulting Director for Intelligence, will moderate today's session. Thanks, Crystal. So joining me today is Sara Vaezi, who is the Chief Digital Strategy and Business Development Officer over at Providence, and Derek Street, CEO of DexCare. So absolutely thrilled that you're both able to join us today. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Glad to be here. Absolutely. So obviously, DexCare is a really fascinating solution that you've developed over at Providence. I'm curious, though, rewind the tape for me. Tell us the story of DexCare overall. How did it start in Providence's incubation efforts? And really, what was the initial pain point or problem that Providence was looking to solve? Yeah, it's a great question and an interesting history, actually. Really, it started several years ago probably in the early baby days of on-demand care. And and Providence really saw this need to provide on-demand or high-velocity care to our patients in multiple modalities, so both physical and virtual, as well as multiple venues. So things like retail medicine, urgent care, etc. And we started to partner with some point solutions that were out in the market that could, for instance, enable enable on-demand video visits for our patients. But what we quickly realized was a couple of things. One, it's really important to connect these experiences and present them in a more holistic fashion to our patients in the way that they're looking for them. Patients don't necessarily say, I want to find a video visit. They say, I need care now. And so it really needed to be integrated into a broader experience. That was one of the main pain points that we ultimately tried to solve specifically with DexCare. Secondly, we needed to be able to really optimize our supply against our demand with respect to these different venues and these different modalities. And I know Derek has a lot to say about this matter, so I'll just leave it at that for now. And the challenges that we were having were pretty low uptake on on on-demand telehealth. We were confusing folks as to what the options were and why. And then, of course, with the pandemic starting just about a year ago, everything just went into this like expanded mode of it blew up. Everything, the need for video visits completely went through the roof. We had to scale everything in a way that we never had before. We had to change where care was being delivered and how it was being delivered. Much like most health systems, we had to shut down our physical sites of care, our retail sites of care. So really everything changed and DexCare powering that actually became even more important so that we could flexibly respond to the needs of what was happening and continue to provide that on-demand high-velocity care to our patients. Makes a ton of sense. Derek, anything to add? We miss anything there? I know you've obviously been intimately involved with a lot of this as well. 
I think Sara did a great job there. What I would add is the challenges that Sara mentioned and that Providence found itself in a number of years ago, we find are really the same kind of challenges that a lot of health systems today find themselves facing. They have lots of capability to deliver digitally enabled care, whether it's online scheduling of in-person visits or video visits or chat-based visits or things like that. But they have a lot of challenge actually making those capabilities work. Right? Just because you have the capability to do something doesn't mean you actually can then effectively utilize that capability. And so Providence is a bit of a canary in a coal mine in identifying the need to not only provide these ways of delivering care, but then wrap around the services and the technologies that actually make those things work, which is what DexCare has evolved into. All right. So that makes a ton of sense. I think that's exactly the right way to be approaching it and thinking about this. So Walk us through how DexCare works. You know, if I'm a patient or if I'm a provider, right, there's different ways to think about how each one of those stakeholders is receiving value. So can you walk me through what does this mean for the customer and for the provider in terms of the value that they get? Yeah, you're absolutely right, Chris. There's different stakeholders here. Consumers, patients, providers, caregivers, and the health system. The health system is our customer. So I think it's best to understand it if you can step back for a moment and look at DexCare as an operating system to make digital care work for all of those stakeholders. And if you think of a sort of a traditional compute architecture model, you've got infrastructure kind of at the firmware level. You have applications at the highest level that are the things that people use. And in the middle, you have an operating system that then make those things in between actually work for people so it's a seamless experience. That's really where DexCare fits. And so we do three things within that OS for all of those stakeholders to make digital care work for them. The first is what we call demand generation. And this is a set of technologies and tech-enabled services that attract and qualify consumers to a health system of digital offerings. So a lot of this work happens at the consumer level before the consumer has even come to our customers' digital front doors, to their websites or things like that. This is identifying out on the web, Google, other publishers, where people are spending time and are in need of care by our understanding of the intent and motivation they may have to seek that care and then making sure that our health system customers have a presence in front of that consumer before, again, they even come to their actual website. And so that can manifest itself in the form of, for example, appointment availability that's pulled out of the EMR and then distributed or syndicated out to other sites on the web so that consumers can identify and book appointments really anywhere without having to come to the hospital website to discover those in the first place. The second component is what we call intelligent navigation. And this is a set of technologies that intelligently route consumers to the care that's best suited to meet their needs, as well as the needs of the health system and providers. And DexCare does provide the applications here to deliver care. So we can provide video visits and scheduling and things like that as well. But it's not dependent on those applications. Because again, we're focused more on now at this point when the consumer has been brought in, making sure that the options they see are the things that are most relevant for them based on their intent and motivation, as well as their clinical needs and what the health system needs, which gets us then to our third component of the solution, which is what we call capacity optimization or load balancing. And this is a set of technologies that automatically allocate resources in the health system, so facilities, people, et cetera, to service that patient demand when and where those resources can be most productively employed. So a really common use case for DexCare that Sara alluded to earlier is what we call high-velocity care, or think of this as typically it's lower-acuity care where, where the consumer cares less about a specific name of a provider servicing them and cares more about just getting their problem dealt with quickly and on their terms in a convenient way. And there's a lot of this care. 
which is why we call it high velocity. And so while the consumer may not necessarily care the name of that provider, the health system cares a lot, right? Because each of those people, these, those resources have different availability profiles, different economic profiles, different cost structures. If a patient can be serviced safely and in, in a convenient, highly satisfying way using a video visit with a nurse practitioner versus an in-person visit with a, an expensive provider, that's a win for everybody if Dexter can make that happen in a lower cost way. And so it's really the combination of each of those three components that provides value to the consumers, the providers, and the health system because the end result is care that's delivered in a convenient, highly satisfying way. We know this because we track satisfaction after all of the care encounters that go through our system. And it's delivered in a cost-effective way and a way that produces the clinical outcomes that the health system's looking for as well. Got it. Makes a ton of sense. So I think part of what I'm at least hearing you say here is there's an evolution occurring here towards a more distributed model of care delivery. Is that right? Yeah, we think so. The market has already been moving there, right? We talked about COVID a little bit earlier, and I think it's no news to anybody now at this point that whether folks have wanted it or not, they've gotten more access and experience with digitally enabled care. It's exposed, again, the need to have these components in the middle that actually make all of this work. Again, and go back to my analogy earlier, it'd be as if you had a new laptop put in front of you and you had your Excel or your Word or your PowerPoint or things like that, but there was no OS in between it to actually bust data back and forth between those applications turn them on, things like that. It just wouldn't work. So distributed care is absolutely happening. Now we've got to make sure that we're doing the work to actually make that work instead of what really today amounts to essentially a more often than not a, a series of 10 or 15 links on a hospital website that sort of leaves it to the consumer to choose where and what they want to do, which can be very confusing. Right. So, Sarah, to that point, part of this is also that digital front door element, right? So it's how do we streamline patients being able to gain access to the care that they need in a more seamless way that ideally is more convenient? What has that meant for Providence in terms of patient experience, a little bit around patient acquisition, maybe market share? Just curious to know, what's the impact of this been for you? Yeah, it's a really important question because ultimately it comes down to what's the impact on the patient care and the system itself. Chris, you mentioned patient acquisition. Providence has seen approximately 30% of the patients that come through this platform for us are new to the system. So that means according to our attribution methodology, which we use a pretty standard attribution methodology, we are just seeing them for the first time in the last two to three years. That's really an important important driver of growth for our system. And growth is sort of the name of the game as it applies to remaining competitive in our markets. There's also this aspect where folks would say, okay, but these high velocity, low acuity use cases are patients who wouldn't necessarily come back to the system for anything else because they're generally healthy, they're young, et cetera, et cetera. We've actually busted that myth and have realized now with the data that we've collected through this work, there's quite a bit of downstream revenue that we're generating from care that patients needed when they came to us once and then they needed additional care. And in the past, when we've looked at it, that amounted to about $800 per person just within the first couple months after their initial low acuity visit. So there's revenue implications, there's new patient acquisition implications. And then there's also just the lifetime value of the patient that we can 
capture through initially bringing them into our ecosystem via DexCare, but then doing the clinical documentation within our own EMR and within our own system so that we can follow up with people and we know them as opposed to if they were to go with some other sort of solution out there that wasn't well integrated into our system. And I want to point out something really important that Derek said and kind of reframe it a little bit where he talked about infrastructure, operating system and applications. A lot of the discussion, for instance, around telehealth and DexCare is much more than telehealth, but a lot of the discussion around telehealth really just focuses on that infrastructure level. Can I do video visits with my patients? Is that function enabled? The point is that there's so much more to it than that. There's workflow, there's patient check-in and pre-registration for that video visit. There's all of the supply demand matching. There's getting the patient to the right care at the right time. There's all these other things that are really important, that operating system that goes far beyond just the ability to do a video visit or the ability to book an appointment. It makes a ton of sense. There's a care redesign element to this that, yes, you can derive a certain amount of value from this type of a platform right out of the gate. But if you want to really produce outsized impact, there's a little bit more to it, as you're mentioning here, in terms of you may need to reconfigure some workflows or care pathways or what may have you. But the other part here is, look, we have a bunch of caregivers who are exhausted from COVID and who are being asked every day to do more. And we're seeing some clinical capacity contraction occur in the market. It feels like DexCare can provide value there, too, in terms of making this easier on the physicians. Is that right? You're absolutely right, Chris. You have to have a really good understanding of the underlying data that would enable you to make good decisions around demand generation, intelligent routing, and capacity optimization and load balancing. If you understand the intent and motivation of the consumer and the clinical needs, we're fully integrated into the EMR, so it helps us understand those things well and kind of longitudinal care and data. And you understand the health system metrics as well the cost infrastructure and the the financial metrics and the goals and objectives of the health system all the way down to the individual clinic or provider level, then you can start to really kind of wring efficiencies out of the system then at that point. If you start all of a sudden opening up more access to care through additional channels, which is what's happening, you can't just expect to work the same way and just magically have the same amount of capacity now just service twice as many visits now at this point. Something's got to give. And we believe that the way you do that is through an intimate understanding of all those stakeholders so that you can make decisions. It's hard to make many things in healthcare kind of fully automated, but at least an automated assist kind of way. Take intelligent routing, for example, so that when a patient comes in, instead of doing a traditional search browse where they get a rank list of all the clinics and there's risk, right, that the patient chooses an option that looked like the right name or something that for some reason they chose it, but doesn't necessarily deliver any better care yet costs twice as much to deliver that care and doesn't distribute workload, let's say across a nurse practitioner population or something like that. It just doubles it up on the physician. Like that's an example where if you kind of do it the old church browse way and don't really leverage the underlying data to make more intelligent decisions, you're going to just work harder and not smarter. And as a result, you're, you're going to run into exasperating the capacity issues that you're mentioning. Makes complete sense. So thank you to you both. That's going to be the end of part one of our discussion. I'd encourage our listeners to join us for part two. Certainly a lot more fantastic information to come. So look for that on your favorite podcasting channel. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Venture Sprout podcast. 
If you are a Vizient member and subscribe to our network offering, we encourage you to register to attend our full experience on the new digital frontier as we explore healthcare spin-ups and NUCOs. This experience includes a thought leadership webinar, additional podcasts featuring the NUCOs, and a matchmaking venture summit in the spring. In that summit, we will feature several member spin-ups and give you the opportunity to have one-on-one connections to explore relationships that could lead to investment opportunities, co-development, and or buying opportunities with these companies. 